Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerzday, November 16th, 2020. On the show today, news and a new blockbuster survey from Disney about what new benefits they might offer to resort guests. And in our main segment, Jim continues the history of Disney's Port Orleans and Dixie Landings Resort. Now, certain Imagineers tried to steer the company away from using Song of the South as the inspiration for Splash Mountain. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that hostage or not, sometimes it's just nice to be held. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? I'm fine, Len. Uh, you are, of course, familiar with the, the concept of Stockholm Syndrome. How? Yeah, exactly, where you uh, start to uh, sympathize with your captors. Yes. Uh, sadly, lately, I have come down with a case of stock car syndrome, which I have feel this compulsion to sit in the back of any vehicle and have it turn left for five hours. <laughs> Over and over and over again. <laughs> I don't understand why it's comforting. It just is, okay? I've always wondered if there were other symptoms related to other uh, Scandinavian capitals. Like, Ooh. is there a Helsinki syndrome? Well, now we have a project. Okay. <laughs> the listeners will tell us. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, let's do a shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to everyone who subscribes to our show on Bandcamp. We just recorded a walk around of the Magic Kingdom with Christmas music. And we're working on a new series on Epcot development ideas from the 1970s. Thanks to new subscribers, Mike Breezy, Grubzilla, and Tron Allen One, and longtime subscribers, Morris G, Eric H, and Emily M. Jim, as interns in Epcot, these kids were the one who staffed the World Key video phone booths back in the 1980s. And they were so impressed with the technology that they went on to be early investors in the company we now know as Zoom. True story. Holy cow, you're right. That is kind of a predecessor <laughs> to Zoom. 40 years later. Wow. Uh, you know, we got it. I wish all of my Zoom conferences these days would end with a bowl of cheese soup. <laughs> with, with, with a reservation for for uh, for steaks in Canada? Yeah, cheese. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That would, that would. All right, Jim, uh, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, first bit of news, the Muppets have returned to Liberty Square. How happy are you? I'm a very happy individual, but intrigued that this holiday show, have, have you managed to experience it in person yet? I have not seen it in person. Our uh, intrepid uh, in-park person, Christina, my sister, mm -hmm. was there the day, in fact, the very first show wow. that was performed. And apparently mm -hmm. they, they didn't have dialogue, so they were just out waving. So mm -hmm. there was no talking. And here's the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. My sister Christina was talking to some folks who were there, and they were there. They were high-level people at, Di at Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay, so you and I haven't talked about this, but I'm going to pause here for a second. Mm -hmm. Aaron, you're going to have to bleep this out, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll we'll talk, uh, Jim, about who these people were, mm -hmm. and then we'll come back. So, okay. So it was the... This was there? Yeah. What, what the... What? Okay, so Aaron, we can go back. Okay, so, so Jim, what was that person doing... In Liberty Square, in the Magic Kingdom, looking at a bunch of Muppets who weren't talking. Just in the past six months or so, we have seen Muppets Now show up on Disney Plus as a series. And the Muppets, for the past 10 years, since the Muppets Most Wanted showed up in theaters and basically did about half the business that the, the Muppets, uh, the relaunch movie did. And the Muppets have been competing for oxygen at Disney because largely, again, think about it, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Marvel, you know, it's a tough time in the company. Now, Muppet Babies has been a huge success over at Disney Junior. Muppets mm -hmm. Now is doing very well over at Disney+. Plus. So the fact that you had high-level people from Disney Plus in Liberty Square, they're gathering information to take back the Disney execs and say, look at the hundreds of people who stopped dead in their tracks because the Muppets were looking out a window and waving at them. This is a franchise that deserves... More attention in the company certainly deserves a stronger financial footing. So they were there literally to gather information and to drag it back to the West Coast, to, to drop it. You know, as I understand it, uh, your sister should have seen a camera crew there that would basically take a picture of the Muppets and then whip the camera around and show the hundreds of people. And again, these are hundreds of people at a time when the Magic Kingdom is operating at low capacity. 
and the fact that this many people stopped dead in their tracks in the middle of their Disney World vacation to watch the Muppets wave out the window are you know, just like, look, these are characters that deserve money, more attention, fork it over. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't a show. They didn't talk, at yep. least on the, uh, on the first day. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, let's bring the Muppets back. And some of the folks who were there from Disney Plus mm-hmm. were there to ensure that the puppeteers were making the right movements for each individual because you know each each muppet has its own idiosyncratic movements absolutely absolutely right. in fact for the great moments in history show they actually brought the muppeteers who do the characters down to Florida to workshop with the crew to the effect yeah. of this is the way that Kermit shrugs. This is the way that Piggy shows that she's haughty. Character integrity is everything. So it's great that they even had them there to do that. But this was a, a double level activity. Look, make sure they're doing a good show. And, and more to the point, look at all the people who are stopping to look at the Muppets. Yes. Yeah. It was a pretty substantial crowd for mm-hmm. the day that they debuted. Again, it was mm-hmm. On our one to ten scale, it was you know I think a one in the park, so relatively low, oh, sort of okay. midweek. Well, no, no. You look at the splash that this made on social media. Again, you would right. have th- you would have thought Elvis was hanging out of <laughs> a window in Liberty Square, which unto itself is not a bad idea. Yeah, he's doing those things in Vegas. And <laughs> well, there I, we I go. Think he's uh, I think he's booked. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was interesting about mm-hmm. the Muppets is you can do it outdoors. Mm-hmm. People can be socially distant, and it's another thing to do. If you're looking to expand crowds in the parks, right? So one of the one of the rumors mm-hmm. that's going around is that Disney is trying to figure out how to do park hopping in 2021. So if you look at tickets that mm-hmm. Disney's selling right now, you can buy a, a ticket in 2021, which well, let's face it, seven weeks away. Mm-hmm. You can buy a ticket with park hopping as of January 1st, 2021. So the question is how does Disney do this with the park reservation system? So my understanding is, is that they're looking to set aside or add Hmm. a certain number, let's say a few thousand park reservations per day, just for people who were in a previous park on the same day. And my sense is they're trying to figure out the programming for their park reservation system, which by the way is built on FastPass on the FastPass platform, how to get the platform to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's the general idea. So it wouldn't come from existing park reservation inventory. This would be an additional inventory. And the idea is that, you know how like when you when you get a park reservation right now, there's a set of hours mm-hmm. available for them, right? Yep. So this second batch, the second tranche of park reservations would be for, and I'm making up a, a time here, you know, 4 p.m. to park close. Mm-hmm. And there'd be a certain number of them. The idea being that if you started off at Hollywood Studios at 10 a.m., by 4 p.m., many people have left, Mm -hmm. right? So the net, net number of people in the park, if you start adding in park hopping, would not exceed the original safe park capacity of 25% that Disney originally defined. That's the thing they're trying to work out right now. Hmm. This is next year, right? So that this isn't a... A case of doing this in December when, in theory, the Christmas projection shows that sort of thing uh, at right. the studios. I've heard, n- I've heard nothing about increasing park capacity in 2021. I've checked with multiple sources okay. who have access to that data yeah. um, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Nothing about. So they haven't gone above the 20. As far as I can tell, mm-hmm. they've not gone above the 25% park capacity. Mm-hmm. No immediate plans to do it until we look. Uh, no, no immediate plans to do it. The, the next thing they're looking at is the return of park hopping. The fact that they're looking to sort of double back on FastPass. And remember, if we jump all the way back to when FastPass was first introduced, there was that whole learning curve of, okay, we pulled all these people out of lines. Oh, yeah. And what that does to shops, what that does to parades. And it's just sort of like, by the way, we <laughs> we got chided about this, to the effect of talking about, you know, for example, doing socially distanced holiday stuff when it's like, what well, I guess the phrase we're supposed to be using in a theme park setting is physically distancing. Physically distance. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of feedback from people who are fairly high up in theme parks over the last few weeks, haven't we? We have. From, we have. from yeah, dude, don't talk about that to we would prefer if you use these words. It's just nice to know we have listeners. Hello to all of you in Burbank. It's nice to get cuffed by a, a higher level of, you know, a, yeah, executive. We're, we're getting you. yelled at by, by a, a completely different <laughs> class of executives right there now. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Again, thanks for listening, folks. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. and it, it's, really, it's really interesting, the, the number of people who listen to the show. And you wonder if, like, if they listen or if, like, they're, 
you know, somebody told him about it. But anyway, again, yeah. guys, mm-hmm. thanks very much. The yeah, suit true. looks lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing we saw in the parks this week, Jim, there was a, a risk assessment company named FM Global all over the parks with uh, with handheld iPads earlier this week. I am assuming they're a risk assessment company. I'm assuming they're trying to figure out how the parks are doing with respect to COVID and personal distancing and stuff like that. I mean, it's got to be the reason why they're in the parks. Did you hear the story just yesterday that broke about Lionsgate? There was a film that they're doing uh, called The Plane uh, starring Gerald Butler that Lionsgate actually pulled out of because they couldn't get insurance. Oh, no, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's one of these things where we are far enough down into COVID where you've got an entire entertainment industry. We're talking film. We're talking theme park where it's like you got to remember that there are insurance adjusters. There are writers that have to be dealt with. And the whole notion, right. of, you know, it's like, OK, are you guys actually doing what you say you're, you're doing in regard to COVID? Because if not, from a risk assessment side of the business, especially heading now into another resurgence of COVID and right. we're trying to keep this place open. And if yeah. give a certain number of people can trace back to, well, I got COVID cause it was at Walt Disney world. And, and, you know, I realized we have that, that liability warning on the little a frame signs and on the tickets and that sort of thing. But yeah, has that been challenged in court yet? You know, in a lot of ways it's, it's the wild West out there, Len. And so the fact that, the parks have been reopened since July, and just now we're seeing the risk assessment people? Well, it could be that uh, they're doing the risk assessment because, and I'm making this up, I don't know, but mm-hmm. you know, if your insurance policy renews in January. Oh, very interesting point. Very interesting you're, point. You're like, hey, we've got to you know, button things up. I know that when, you know, for, for touring plans, when we update our errors and emissions insurance, we've mm-hmm. got to go through an external audit mm-hmm. of our security practices and so on. So I'm assuming that this is what this is. Like there's Could some be. sort of insurance policy that's coming up. Mm-hmm. FM Global is like the third party neutral observer who says, you know, here are the things that you guys are doing well, here are the things that you can improve. Mm-hmm. And then the insurer would say, you know, okay, you've got to implement these recommendations before we sign up on this policy. My guess is that's what okay. it is. Okay, very sensible conclusion. Uh, the other interesting piece of news, mm-hmm. Rombe Market, which is one of my favorite places to eat in Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. has now opened weekends. My guess is this is probably just for the holidays. So it'll close in January once things slow down, but uh, gives everybody another place to eat in the Animal Kingdom, which is also very, very good. Rombe Market is one of my favorite places to eat in Animal Kingdom. Not because of the food. like mm-hmm. I like Flame Tree Barbecue for food. Mm-hmm. But the seating area feels authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, so does Flame Tree Barbecue, but for a different reason. But Harambe Market to me feels like it's got the right combination of spacing and shade and color and interesting nooks. Like that area that's over by where the Wildlife Express train goes right by oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. With the with the chicken wire, right? That's, that's the thing that's <laughs> between you and the train tracks. It just, to me, it, it feels, to your point, it feels authentic. I really like Harambe Market. Yeah. Oh, no, no, absolutely. The other thing I, I personally love about it is they have that sign that says, do not feed the baboon. And I always make a point of, <laughs> of posing in front of it and looking sad. <laughs> Nancy's like, I'd love to give you these ribs. Jim, but, <laughs> but yeah, sorry. There's a sign. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Harambe Market and Flame Tree Barbecue are the two best outdoor seating places to eat in Animal Kingdom. Because if you think about like... Yak and Yeti local food cafes, mm-hmm. right? that little food stand over in Asia. Mm-hmm. You can go behind that, and they've sort of carved out a seating area there. And it's got you know a water element near it. And you know, Disney tried to theme it too, but there's something about that space that to me doesn't work as well as, as Harambe Market or the terraces of Flame Tree Barbecue. I mean, when you and I are in the parks together, we we always eat at Flame Tree Barbecue together, Yeah, right? well, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a combination of, it, it's a great space. When you're, you're meeting with a bunch of people, they have the large tables down there. But at the same time, that's what's fun about Harambe Market. The authenticity feel plus the ability to sit down with a large group and hang, so. Yeah. All right, Jim, let's, uh, enough about our favorite outdoor uh, seating areas in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the parks. I wanted to bring a, a Disney uh, patent application to your attention because it looks to me like it's the next version of Pal Mickey. You remember Pal Mickey, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The handheld 
plush doll for Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. that was one of the first sort of like personal assistants mm-hmm. that would you could carry around the parks and through radio transmitters located at various points in the park, uh, Mickey would come alive and tell you something about where you were in the park. We had one in the park where we were testing it, and it just this was the one that actually keyed off of the parade floats as they went by. And I think that was an idea that got dropped because you spent a lot of the parade leaning into Mickey going, what? 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 what speak up, get mouse. That was the, the one thing you, you kind of had to keep Mickey really, really close to your head mm-hmm. to be able to uh, to hear him. And in Florida in July, the last thing you want is <laughs> plush doll next to your face, right? There we go. All right. So the this latest patent, which was filed today, actually, just a, a few minutes ago. Oh. Systems and methods for interactive responses by toys and other connected devices. And Jim, I think the uh, the thing I want to point out here is you see in the show notes, there's a diagram mm-hmm. of all of the things. And sort of in the left-hand side, it looks like right below Cinderella, Jim. Looks to me like the child. Oh, a little bit. Right? Yes, yes. And so what, it, what it's showing here is there are transmitting devices mm-hmm. who would transmit things to do to these interactive plush dolls and the things that Disney shows that might transmit data to these dolls to do things. One is the castle. Mm -hmm. Another one is Cinderella and another one is your cell phone. So I think the idea here is that as you're walking by a location in the park or you're meeting a character, something nearby would transmit something to do to whatever this next version of, of pal Mickey or the child is. You and I have talked, at length in the past about the original Magic Bands deck. All the stuff you were supposed to do with Magic Bands. And and remember how at one point, you know, for example, with if you wanted to do a character meet and greet, there was supposed to be a discrete sign, kind of like a teleprompter screen in the corner that yep. would then give the friend of Mickey the information about, oh, you know, Adrian, so nice to see you having traveled all the way from Cincinnati. How is your lovely dog, Fluffy? Right. All of that info and the playtesting they did that kind of creeped the parents out. But on the other hand, if it's, oh, I see you brought your whatever this toy's name is with you. And how have you enjoyed your time in the park? You know, just sort of moving the questioning back to a more comfortable level, but at the same time allowing that crazy level of interaction that this is talking about here. I mean, if you look at this diagram between the computer monitor or the television screen that suggests that when you go home, here are your adventures in the park we get to revisit. Just the suggestion here about turning off the lamp at night, that's a little interesting. Yeah, so you could use the, uh, you could you could tell uh, the child to turn off your, uh, <laughs> and I didn't realize this until you just said it, but you could use the doll if you connected it to your home network. Yeah. You could be like, you could be like, Yoda, turn off the lamps. And it would do, wow, that's a, that's a super interesting idea. So I, I always thought of these things as receiving data from, external transmitters like like the castle or cinderella and then relaying something to you but but you're right this is a bi-directional thing yeah. where you could tell it to do stuff yeah we've had the surveys in the past year you know for example the room that greeted you as your favorite character when you were right. coming in or likewise when your child went to bed how it could tell the room to tell it a bedtime story <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're seeing some of these applications that Disney has walked out. I, I right. Think. So it would be like an Alexa. Oh, that is. Yep. That is interesting. So the, um, we're going to post these show notes over at jimhillmedia.com, mm-hmm. right? That is the plan. Okay. So listeners, when you see these show notes, there are two things that I want you to try and figure out for us because I have no idea what they are on this diagram. One is a picture of a refrigerator. No idea what that means, unless you want Yoda to order more groceries from you from Whole Foods. <laughs> the other one is, it, there are two things here that are either a dog or Wiley Coyote. Like it's a, it's either I don't I, I'm not sure what those are doing in here. Mm-hmm. But if someone wants to figure that out for us and let us know, that would be super fabulous. Perhaps the child is ordering more frog eggs. I'm just saying. <laughs> I saw, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a thing in there that. Uh, the, uh, the backlash on social media is that uh, the child is now uh, committing genocide. Yeah. I'm I, not sure that I got that out of that story, but yeah, I understand the point. I do. Same thing here. It's just, I think more it's more of a throwback to the first season when they showed the child actually eating a frog, but I get what people are saying. I do. 
Jim, we, uh, we, we talked about uh, surveys just now, and there's a new one out hmm. that is super spectacular, and it's about potential new resort benefits that Disney wants your opinion on. This came from Scott, who sent it in. A couple of the other people sent in the same one on the same day. And I want to go over the questions here to see what our listeners think of these. All right, so here's the, uh, here's the setup text from the survey. Guests who stay in Walt Disney World Resort accommodations receive exclusive benefits. As Disney continues to look for ways to enhance the guest experience, we'd like you to review benefits or add-on offerings that are currently available or could potentially be available in the future exclusively to those staying in Walt Disney World Resort accommodations. Please make your considerations from the perspective of a visit when there are fewer health and safety concerns, such as when a COVID-19 vaccine is widely available and physical distancing and mask wearing protocols are no longer required. So mm-hmm. Disney's saying six months from now okay. when, or you know, a year from now mm-hmm. when you know the vaccine is widely available and things are, you know, quote, more normal, what are you interested in? So the first question is, on a scale from one to seven, where one means not at all important and seven means extremely important, please rate how important each of the following is when considering whether to stay in a Walt Disney World resort. So the first one is early access to dining and experience reservations. Receive first access to book dining reservations at Walt Disney World restaurants up to seven days in advance of non-Disney hotel guests, plus early access to reservations for other premium bookable experience like Bibbidi Bobby Boutique, Sabi's Workshop, hand-built lightsabers uh, at the Walt Disney World Resort, and so on. So on a scale of one to seven, not at all important to extremely important. How do you think, how, how important do you think that would be? Hmm. So Disney resort guests already get, if they're staying at the resort, they already get a little bit of, a, of an advantage because like at the 60-day mark right now, mm-hmm. if you're staying for seven days, on your 60-day mark for your check-in date, you actually get the additional days for your visit. But this would be, I guess, a, a, a premium on top of that. So mm-hmm. if it's 67, 60 days for uh, regular park guests, it would be 67 days. Would this then, within that group, then be tiered? You know, to the effect of if I'm staying... But a value resort, it's 62 days. If I'm a moderate, it's 64 days. If I'm a deluxe, it's 68 days. That's what I'm saying. That I'm a big fan of democracy, but at the same time, if you're paying to stay at the flow. And, and that's interesting because if you look at Disney resort occupancy right now, mm-hmm. the value resorts and the moderate resorts... Mm-hmm pretty much at capacity. Okay. But you look at like the grand floor or the contemporary mm-hmm. and they're not. So that could be one of the ways, like if you're, Ooh. if you're really interested in getting an Oga's Cantina mm-hmm. reservation or Savi's or, you know, any other, other hard reservations to get, mm-hmm. maybe you say, look, you know, start, stay at the least expensive mm-hmm. deluxe resort, which I think at this point is, is it Grand Flu? Contemporary? Contemporary, probably. I think so. You know, and then and they get access to that. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the next question. And this is a new idea that Disney has. I'd love to hear what our listeners mm-hmm. say about this. On a scale from one to seven, where one means not at all important and seven means extremely important, please rate how important this is when considering whether or not to stay in Walt Disney World Resort accommodations. Food delivery. Order food from your favorite Walt Disney World dining locations at any park or any resort hotel to be delivered directly to your resort room. And they give examples of churros, meals, etc. So if you could order food from anywhere in Walt Disney World and have it delivered to your resort, how important would that be for you? Jim, this is a seven for me. Like I, I'm telling you right now, I'm all over this. But at the same time, the example they use... Churros. Yeah, not not the most compelling. I don't think but. they travel well. I mean, you know, just the fact yeah. you have to eat them like within 10 feet of the booth. Otherwise, they turn into a baton you could beat somebody with. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine you could order Ohana hmm. and have it delivered to be to Pop Century. Would it include the employee that walks around and brings you more food? Would you like a little more beef, sir? A little more chicken? You know, just well, that's the thing. I, I don't know if we talked about this, but I, when I ate at Beer Garden, mm-hmm. it was my sister and I, mm-hmm. and there were two of us. They brought out a platter for four. Like the standard serving size at Beer Garden now is party of four. And by the looks of it, it was four like 
opera single singer <laughs> style German German women. It was, I mean, okay, it wouldn't even come close to you. So I went for Ohana, and I've ordered Ohana. Mm-hmm. Uh, room service at the poly before mm-hmm. and it was an astounding amount of food i wonder if they would do the same thing yeah but imagine you could do room service from anywhere in walt disney world to like pop century man what would you order oh a lot came first well i i'm sorry you know I, I have a predilection for whispering canyon oh yeah the skillets at whispering canyon yeah <sighs> good idea Again, all you can eat thing yeah but the flip side of this though is remember how 10 years ago when the amount of homework that children had and they were taking home all of their textbooks in a backpack and how there, there was this whole generation of children that were becoming like Quasimodo, bent over from calling. Yeah. You know, think about it. And this would be the food <laughs> delivery people. No, that's it exactly. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. He took a load out for, for Whispering <laughs> Canyon. Get the massage table ready. I'm thinking they would need like mules to carry all this food between the resort. Like if you see Disney start to buy a bunch of donkeys. There we go. That would be it. Okay. So the other thing I love about both these ideas, and Mm -hmm. by the way, there are tons of more coming up here. The thing I love about these Mm -hmm. is they're relatively low cost. Mm -hmm. Like for Disney to change the computer systems to give you early access to dining and experience reservations. That's not the most complicated thing in the world. Likewise, to hire cast members to do food delivery they just laid off 28,000 people. They, they have 28,000 resumes, yeah. right, that yeah. they could pull in for this. And they've got those minivan cars. Minivans are discontinued right now. Jeez, you're right. But they could use those, right? Yeah. They've got the infrastructure. And, I mean, I don't know if Lyft has a, a food delivery service, but, I mean, Uber Eats does it. So, hmm, that's not a they could use the They could use the driver technology from Lyft to do food delivery, too. They've got the pieces of the infrastructure. Um, my goodness, no. It, it certainly would be an interesting reinvention of, of a lot of pre-existing assets. So. Right. It's like a, it's like the Taco Bell menu. We've got cheese and meat and <laughs> taco shells mm-hmm. and tortillas. Mm-hmm. What you know? What seventy-five menu items can we make from this? There you go. All right. The next one is magic bands on a scale from one to seven. Not at all important to extremely important. How important is it to be able to purchase, customize, and personalize magic bands? with an exclusive resort guest discount. And this is interesting because, as we all know, as of January 1st, 2021, mm-hmm. Magic Bands are no longer complimentary with your Walt Disney World stay. And part of this, I think, goes back to the show that we did where we talked about how Disney has this internal carbon tax for each That's part right. of its business. That's right. And I think they're realizing the large number of Magic Bands that they were shipping out and manufacturing to people who are like, I've already got one, mm-hmm. like, I'm, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use a gray one when I've got this super customized rainbow one, which is what I have. Mm-hmm. Right. So magic bands. It's interesting to me that they're adding on this question when they know they're discontinuing it in eight weeks. Yeah, I just, uh, I get the the sense that they're kicking the tires of a possible revenue stream. That I think stream is not the word. <laughs> you know, maybe right. tr- trickle, but it's like okay, sure. Then th- see if th- somebody would bite on this. It's worth a survey question, right? Survey Absolutely. questions don't cost much. There the other go. thing that that I, I find interesting is that Disney's moving away from magic bands to using your cell phone. Yeah. So why would you need the magic band? I I do think for most things in the park, a magic band is more convenient than the app. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick pause here for a commercial break. When we come back, more of this survey. All right, the next question is, again, from one to seven, one meaning not at all important to seven, extremely important. What about bundles, which are simplified, discounted, add-on theme park ticket options that include access to water parks, park hopping, mini golf, and digital entitlements such as Memory Maker? So these are known as packages right now, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. I noticed the first word there. They use simplified because it is... Simplified. Yeah. <laughs> I was having this conversation with someone yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we, at Touring Plans, we share data and ideas with a number of universities around the country, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, People who do, who who want to use Disney as examples in like math or, you know, the humanities or whatever. So we give them data and we, you know, give them, we talk to them about, you know, interesting research projects or ideas. Anyway, one of them um, yesterday was 
uh, and I won't name the university, but a uh, major university in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the complexity of Disney's ticketing system, yeah. like all the different loopholes that you could use to save a few dollars on the tickets that you buy. Like, for example, the one I gave was, let's say your trip is beginning on a Thursday and ending on a Sunday. So you need four days of theme park admission. If it's cheaper for you to start your seven-day ticket, because a four-day ticket is good for a week, it's any four days within seven days. If it's cheaper for you to buy it on a Tuesday, but then use it first on a Thursday, that's one way to save money. And we, of course, have a least expensive ticket calculator on the website that does that. We were talking about that as an example of the complexity yeah. of making decisions for, for Disney tickets. And I think this is, this is one of those things. Yeah. That's the thing. You're doing the Lord's work there, Len, because it just, it kind of makes me crazy when you use the word like simple. <laughs> Disney simple. Oh no. <laughs> you know, it's just gotten so incredible between the, you know, 120 days out for dining and, you know, it's 60 now. Yeah. 60, 60 was 180. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Simplified is simplified is a scale. It's a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. I will buy into that definition. Speaking of which, the next question, mm-hmm. again, one to seven, mm-hmm. not at all important to extremely important, is access to the Disney dining plan, which they explain is exclusive access to a pre-purchased package of daily meals and snacks. And my guess is, just based on the feedback that we've seen from our own users at Touring Plans, that this is going to be the average here is going to be extremely important for about half Mm -hmm. the people who answer this survey because people love the Disney dining plan. And the phrase that I want to highlight within this Mm. explanation that Disney gave was the phrase pre-purchased, right? The thing that people like about the dining plan, even if you tell them it's not a good value, Mm -hmm. the thing that they like most is I've already paid for it and I don't need to worry about the cost of things when I'm on vacation. When you get vacation brain going, it is nice to have to not do that. You know, it's like, oh, how am I going to pay for this? I already paid for it. Hey! (laughs) Bring on the desserts. There we go. The next one is complimentary on-site transportation by bus, water taxi, monorail, and Disney Skyliner. I love that they mentioned the Skyliner here. Mm -hmm. The theory was once they put the Skyliner in, this was eventually going to become Disney's cable cars, the thing you had to ride. Are you getting any sense of that from folks who are going to? I mean, I realize we're only a year in at this point, and obviously we're also in the middle of COVID. I think Disney has realized that they need more capacity on it, and here's why. Mm. Even now, when there are relatively low crowds in Walt Disney World, as compared to pre-pandemic times, Mm. and even with Art of Animation not open, Mm -hmm. the number of people who were getting in line at the Skyliner and I'm not making this up, mm-hmm. three hours before Hollywood Studios opened to get to that park was so great that Disney is now running buses oh. from Pop to the studios. Whereas before, the idea was as soon as the Skyliner goes live, we do not have to run buses mm-hmm. from Pop and AOA to either Epcot or the studios because the Skyliner will take care of all our transportation needs. It is so popular. Mm-hmm. People think of it as its own attraction now so much mm-hmm. that they are lining up three hours before the park opens. So the park opens at 10. There are people in line at 7 a.m. to get on the Skyliner when it's not even running. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think it's two things. One, uh, Disney realized that there's a capacity mm-hmm. problem. And there's a larger problem, right? When all the parks open at different hours, right? And you got people standing in line for three hours. That's just not good. But the other thing is, I don't know that they thought that people would be that dedicated to that mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. But it is its own ride. It's it's a thing that you can't do anywhere but Walt Disney World. And remember, we've had $900 million of capital expenditure that's been, been paused while the resort rides out covid And it was talking with friends about what's going on over at Disney Springs. And it just sort of, their frustration is that the plan to extend the line from Epcot over to Disney Springs with a couple of interim stops, that was phase two. They were hoping that on the success of the first year, that they'd be able to turn key on this thing. And this would be... Not necessarily there for the 50th anniversary, but in 2022 and beyond. A fast follower, as the kids say. There we go. Yeah. And now that's not going to happen, or at least not for a couple of years. So, Well, the good thing is, is I mean, it works. Mm-hmm. It is as popular. I can't imagine that Disney 
Disney's not happy with the level of satisfaction. Oh no, with the uh, yeah. the Skyline arts, pro- arts popularity. I mean, I think it's I think it's a win mm-hmm. by by any definition of it. it. To your point, it's it's a little bit expensive to build out, mm-hmm. but once you do it, it opens up a whole range of options and benefits to people staying on site. Like, you and I have joked about this mm-hmm. offline, but like if you look at what Universal is doing mm-hmm. when it's buying up different parcels of land mm-hmm. northeast of, of Walt Disney World, right? They need a Skyliner. They do. A thing they like do. a Skyliner to bring together all the disparate elements of their park. And, and it's kind of funny how we, we look at Universal and it's like, you know what? I love what they're doing with all the individual parks, mm-hmm. but it's disjointed. And if it was a choice between a bus system that goes through Orlando Mm -hmm. or a Skylander type system that is run by Universal, Mm -hmm. like bring on the gondolas, man. No, absolutely. But they are already working on the next generation of the Skylander stations and going forward, three new elements. I I love hearing this for the first time because you and I haven't talked about this. Go ahead. Okay. Three new elements to Skylander stations. Go ahead. Nothing to do with the Skylanders themselves. They're not going to touch that, but it's like, Going forward, each of the Skyliner stations will have dedicated restrooms because of the very thing you're talking about, people lining up hours ahead of time. Okay, good. And Caribbean Beach has one, so that's great. Okay. Okay. But that's the only one that has one. So it's like, okay, dedicated restrooms. Also, a retail component, because again, people ride this thing and immediately, I want my t-shirt, I want my toys, I want my... So it's like, okay, so we need a a retail component in each one of these things, kind of along the lines of, you know how you're going through the ticket and transportation center? and there's a little gift shop off to the side. Yeah, right by the bathrooms. In fact. There we go. No, <laughs> to, that's to, it exactly. To the, to the right as you get past uh, the ticket booths, yeah. And then a food cart that can be rolled in and out just because of Disney has stood there and observed these people standing there for three hours. And they need to pee. They yeah. want something to eat. And when they're standing here, we have an audience that's primed to buy crap. So it's like we are leaving money on the table. So going forward, when we see the next generation of Skyland stations, bathroom, It'll shop, and, and again, food cart. So that's interesting because Coronado Springs has a, or not Coronado, um, Caribbean Beach, mm-hmm. has a Joffrey's down the ramp yep. from where you get on. And it's got bathrooms. But I think if you, imagine you're a family, right, where you want, the, the kids are going to run out of line mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom or to get a to get a coffee or whatever. You want to be able to keep an eye on them. And, and that's it exactly. It's close at Caribbean beach, but not quite where it's at. So by bringing them all under one roof. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's good. So, Oh, one other, uh, one other quick Epcot related thing. So I was uh, going on the Skyliner, uh, passing over Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. I happened to mention to a cast member, I'm not gonna say where they work, mm-hmm. but like, Hey, you know, how close is Ratatouille? And the answer that I got was this cast member had been inside the park, mm-hmm. inside the ride, recently and it is virtually done like ready to turn the key and the debate is whether to start it up for the holidays or wait till 2021 i think at this point they're going to wait till 2021 to have an advertising thing but there there were some questions to whether internal work had stopped at ratatouille back in march and apparently that's not the case that this person said it is literally ready to go they walk through the entire show scene Mm -hmm. show scenes um and it's It's ready. I guess it literally came down to, are we going to need this ride to open to convince Orange County locals to come out to the park? And the thinking was, no, it's the holiday season. We get them twice a year. We get food and wine and we get them for holidays. So it's like, no, we don't need this. No, we don't. After the first of the year, we're definitely going to need this. So hold it till then. But no, your source is correct. Yeah. So I would expect when we see the Disney World Christmas Parade stuff, we're going to start to see ads for it. Oh, no, absolutely. In in fact, I'm I'm tracking when they're going to begin shooting that because I don't know. Have you heard about how they're handling Macy's in New York this year? It's uh, greatly cut down. So it starts. Um, do you can't uh, you can't walk through the in the days before mm-hmm. to see the floats being uh, the balloons being inflated, mm-hmm. and it's a shortened and simplified route. Oh no, no, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is basically staged around Herald Square. And the, the one time the balloon comes through is when it's been inflated and they shoot it and then it goes around the corner and they deflate it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's different this year. Yeah, and anticipate something a very similar template for the Walt Disney World Christmas. Of Walt yeah, they're, they're not. There's not going to be a pen of uh, guests being <laughs> held on Main Street during no. uh, during shooting. That's just not going to happen. No. Uh, next question was Disney's Magical Express complimentary bus transportation to and from the Orlando International Airport. So on this, Mm -hmm. I would like to have seen the survey question 
talk about luggage handling because Magical Express still works right now, mm -hmm. but they're not delivering your luggage to your room and you're not able, and they're not picking up your luggage from your room and, and, and delivering it. So that's, I, I would like to have seen a little bit of a clarification on this question around Magical Express because it's not working the way it was pre-pandemic. And so the answers that you're getting here, I think, don't convey the true value of Magical Express to the resort experience. Like if your bags just magically, you know, if one day your your bags are in Topeka and the next day your bags are magically with you at Old Key West, that's kind of a miracle. That's kind of amazing. No, 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 it was. And they're, it not, was, they're not doing that now. Yeah. But there was some talk, and I guess they did a little focus grouping on, well, what if, as you were queuing up for Magical Express, we showed you what we did with your luggage. Oh, like a behind the scenes, like a factory tour? Yeah, you know, to the effect of, you know, here we are wrapping your luggage in safety plastic. Here we notice that we are wearing gloves while we do this. Here's footage of the... Oh, got it, got it, got it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the steps that are taken to get your bag safely to your room and all the precautions we put in place. And it just, and it was one of the things where it's like, that may concern people more than it, it reassure them. Yeah. And even if they showed that, right, the, I think the big question or the big concern for people would be my luggage is in a, uh, in the, uh, the insides of an airplane rubbing against the luggage of God knows who else. There you go. There you go. So, and that has nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. So, all right. The next one, Jim mm -hmm. is, and this is new, uh, and it's about connected experiences. And Disney describes this as access to exclusive virtual content that allows you to interact with our parks, lands, and attractions like never before. These experiences include exclusive park-wide quests, allowing you to earn exclusive achievements through virtual interactions featuring your favorite Disney characters, as well as a digital in-room concierge that provides self-service capabilities for anything you might want or need in the resorts or theme parks. So imagine Sorcerer's the Magic Kingdom, mm -hmm. but only for resort guests mm -hmm. or the Remy Scavenger Hunt in Epcot or the uh, uh, World Showcase Adventures, right? But only for resort guests. Well, I want to say it was a D23 Expo, and this was two and three of them ago, where they showed footage of a Pirates of the Caribbean themed experience. I think, I think it was a full day long experience where you first met somebody in the lobby who told you you had to go to the Magic Kingdom to find this pirate who in turn right. would hand you a tchotchke and you then had to share messages from the shore with people who are riding the Mark Twain. And it actually ended with a boat ride over to Fort Wilderness where you watched a sword fight on the beach and then one pirate was vanquished. I mean, it was a full day long thing and that survives in a, a mutated form for guests who were staying at Star Wars Interstellar Galactic Star Cruiser. So I just, it's interesting again, you know, this whole park wide quests and exclusive achievements or interactions with your favorite Disney characters. Mm. I'm a little intrigued about how you do this, but again, supposedly this is post COVID. So that's really not an issue that we have to sort of change our mindset to in a time when we're not wearing masks and we're not looking every five minutes for where the hand sanitizer is. All right. So, Jim, the, uh, the next set of questions here is all new stuff as well. Mm. So this one is, again, from one not important to seven extremely important. Resort nighttime show elements. Disney stories come to life in magical ways through immersive art displays and projections on exterior resort facades within lobbies and on waterways featuring special effects, lighting, soaring music, and fountains. Jim, this is a seven to me right now. Yeah. So resort night. So the beautiful thing about this is, mm -hmm. uh, number one, they've got the technology to do it. But number two, it disperses crowds back to your resort. So it's not everybody standing on Main Street. Mm -hmm. looking. At this is huge. It is. It is. It's just, I don't know if you've managed to get to see the new projection show. At the parks and the Magic Kingdom, what they're doing to the castle with the, the holiday sweaters and that sort of thing. Uh, the sweaters are fantastic. Okay. But remember, that comes at a cost. That this year they made the decision not to do the icicle overlay. Right. And I've heard that that might not ever come back. Yeah. Yeah. I, and when you do this inside the parks, it's amazing. 
But if it's like, right. how much more amazing is that going to be if I can go back to the pop century and they're doing that on the side of a building? I mean, it would be toned down, but imagine you're just walking around and it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I think there's a fantastic. No, no, no. There's, there's a wonderful idea there. But at the same time, it's like right now, projection is special because it's done on the Chinese yeah, theater. On the park icons. Yeah, yeah. If on the other hand, it's done on the side of the Art of Animation building, it's like, okay, so now you got to do something different for me to have me stay in the park to you know, hang out in the Magic Kingdom. And you could potentially have to do two dozen different oh, no. projection shows. That's it, exactly. Hmm. Still, okay, so a big challenge, but still, they have the technology. That's that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Next one is in-resort character experiences. Character dining in your own resort, plus roaming Disney characters, and interactive nighttime story experiences. So we've got character dining at some resorts, but mm-hmm. roaming Disney characters and interactive nighttime story experiences? That's new. But again, get to the weird part of it is like everything old is new again. I mean, it used to be that was half the charm of going to Disneyland was the fact that back in the day, the characters did, in fact, roam. Right. You and I have talked about how that training video that they have out there where they reinforce to the, 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 get with the characters, do not go into the stores. Do not get in the little narrow aisles with fragile things. They actually trained them to do that, whereas now... It's like, yes, if you want to meet with Mickey, he's in this specific building, get in that queue, and in an hour, you will be there. Only the Disney cast members who had the guide in their back pocket knew, Mm -hmm. okay, Baloo comes out at 2.30, he's typically in this area, go hang there. They were the only ones who shared that, and that frustrated a certain number of guests. So, me personally, I'd love to see roaming Disney characters again. But again, I'm old. I remember when it used to happen. It was great. But at the resorts, though, they've never done that. But think about it. Every so often, Whispering Canyon, how you'd see Goofy or Pluto or that sort of show up. But again, if you're going to monetize character dining, then it's like, Mm -hmm. well, if you want to see the characters while you're at your resort, you will sign up for this dinner and you'll pay this certain amount and they will be there waiting for you. I think one of the reasons why I like the Disney characters at the resorts Mm -hmm. is imagine you're arriving in Walt Disney World like at noon or you're leaving at like 2 p.m., Mm -hmm. right? So you've got this day at your resort where you're not sure you want to spend the money uh, to get into a park Mm -hmm. for that half a day, right? So typically you stay at the resort, you unpack, maybe you lounge by the pool, but this is another thing that would be a benefit Mm -hmm. to people staying at those resorts. I'm sold. It'll be interesting to see how they do this. The next one is, speaking of logistics, Mm -hmm. in-park exclusive lounges. Exclusive lounges where resort guests can relax and take a break from their day without leaving the theme park. I don't know that they have enough space for that. Yeah, and remember when they tried this out in Tomorrowland with the... With the tents? With the tents. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't doesn't say here that it would be free. Mm -hmm. So if this would be a... Well, let's let's put it this way. If it was free, Mm -hmm. if it was a benefit for staying at, uh, you know, a Walt Disney World property, I don't know that they have the space in any park to do this. Cause you're thinking, you know, you think about when the resorts are all full, you're talking about a hundred thousand people or more. Mm-hmm. And let's say 40,000 of them are going to the magic kingdom or 30,000 are going to the magic kingdom. How many people can fit in this lounge? 500. Mm-hmm. You're either going to end up with a wait list or saying no mm-hmm. to most people, unless it's a for pay thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, if it's a for pay thing, Disney already has exclusive for pay lounges mm-hmm. In the parks. And I'm not going to mention the program that, that is that, but yeah. that would be a conflict. They would. They would. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next one is, uh, and this is new as well, extra magic hours at select Disney Springs shopping locations. Exclusive access one hour early at World of Disney and select merchandise locations before regular operating hours. Again, this is an idea that doesn't cost them much money. Mm-hmm. But it's a benefit. It is. Ah, It is. That's an interesting idea. But again, if you talk to the people in ops, you're going to have us open an hour early. That means we need us to either finish restock or the guests who are coming in need to understand that, you know, while they're getting their exclusive shopping benefit, that there may be people with carts still loading things on shelves and you may not have the full selection because we haven't done the restock. Right. Not saying that is not a bad idea. And certainly, and, and there are people who love being behind the scenes like that, who love, you know, I got in early and I got to see them do this and I get to shop. Yeah. So it could be a win-win, but on the other hand, there are certain operational challenges there. Uh, the next one is early access to Disney Fast Pass Plus planning. 
receive first access to book Disney FastPass Plus reservations up to 30 days in advance of non-Disney hotel guests. So that was the that was the how it worked prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And the the there are a couple of reasons why I think this question is interesting. One is it still shows that FastPass is top of mind mm-hmm. for Disney in terms of it's it thinking it's a perk for Disney Resort guests. No, you're right. But walking this out in a survey and it's just sort of like, okay, they were supposed to have forgotten this? Is that how that works? Or I think they're they're trying to remind guests that FastPass exists. I mean, the fact that it's in the survey means it's not it's not going away. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I feel I feel good about that. I think this is just Disney trying to say how much of a how much of a driver is FastPass Plus planning to booking. Like if you're on the fence about whether to stay at a Disney resort or, you know, use your Marriott points for free. Got it. Right. Certainly. How much. And speaking of this, mm-hmm. so I was talking with someone recently about paid fast pass, mm-hmm. like at Disney, Disneyland Paris, right? So Disneyland Paris, you can buy a la carte fast passes for certain rides for various amounts of money, right? In a in sort of like a packages or you know, individually. And one of the concerns that this person had that I have never thought about before. In Disneyland Paris, apparently, as they rolled out paid FastPass, it affected the number of VIP tours that were booked. And here's why, right? So I was looking at just pricing out VIP tours for Walt Disney World for for coming up, uh, the coming season. And do you know what an hour of a VIP tour costs now, Jim? It's 200 Oh, Jim. Yeah. Jim, you are adorable. Okay. Don't ever lose that childlike innocence. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like using my data information <sighs> hurt me, Len. How much is it costing now? $750 an hour, minimum seven hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was. Okay, so Disney doesn't have all they're, – they're not at full capacity mm. when it comes to VIP tour guides. Mm. But still, mm-hmm. if you're looking at like – during the holidays, 60 tour guides at $750 an hour. By the way, they make minimum wage. They make $7.50 an hour. So this is virtually all profit, right? Right. 60 tour guides for seven hours minimum at $750 is $315,000 a day or over the course of a year, $115 million. Oh my God. So the question that they have is mm-hmm. if people can buy fast passes, mm-hmm. And they they substitute fast pa- buying fast passes a la carte for VIP tour guides. How much of that 115 million dollars is cannibalized hmm. by a la carte fast pass plus? Oof. And I don't know that I've ever heard that conversation before. No, you? no. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Super interesting. Yeah, because think about it. Like if there's you know if you if you only need you know truly need VIP access. Mm-hmm. For like Seven Doors Mine Train, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, in the Magic Kingdom. And you could, you know, mm-hmm. you're willing to wait in the 15 or 20 minute lines mm-hmm. for everything else to save, you know, five grand. Mm-hmm. Do you pay the $5,250 plus gratuity <sighs> wow. for this? Or do you say, okay, I'm going to spend $300 on FastPass Plus tickets, right? You know, I, you know, each one of them is $25 and I'm going to buy four sets of them for my family of four or $400, whatever. That is something I've not heard before. No, absolutely. More to the point, if you think about how the various managers and departments within Disney are, are so fiercely protective of their own little duchies, the notion that you know, whoever it is in charge of the, the VIP access and that $750 an hour gold mine, the notion that... Yeah, like, yeah, the VP, the VP who's getting $115 million in revenue right now is looking at that and saying, because no. you know their goals go up every year by 5% or 10%. Yeah, of course, of course. They're looking at that and saying, uh, what? That's a conversation <laughs> that ends with in the parking lot with somebody holding a tire iron. You know, it's like, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's like... <laughs> You know, stay away yeah. from my sweet revenue stream. It's like, oh my God. Well, that So that tells us too, mm-hmm. right, that if Disney's really making, you know, it doesn't have to be $150 million, but let's say they're making, you know, $80 million a year in VIP tours, mm-hmm. right? How much do they have to price paid fast pass at in order to make sure that their net revenue is greater mm-hmm. than whatever they're making now? Oof. It's not going to be $5 for a fast pass. No. No, 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 no. Yeah, so that 
from my, from my European source. That is something I had not thought of before. That's fascinating. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah, super interesting there. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. On-site concierge to go. So on a scale of one to seven, seven being most important. Ex- how important is exclusive virtual access to a personal one-on-one concierge from anywhere at the Walt Disney World Resort with the ability to chat with a concierge to answer your questions and personalize your experience. So in real time while I'm in the parks or? Anytime. Wow. So, you know, kind of you're having your own personal world key on your phone or your iPad. I would love that at a moment where, for example, the attraction you're in line for has gone down or the parade has been canceled due to rain or that sort of thing, where somebody could immediately step in and it's like, okay, these are your entertainment options and I can Um, move around your other fast passes and yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, if I'm not in crisis mode, I'm going to need that, but that still is a very intriguing idea. Well, here's where I see this come in handy and it's, it's related to the next question. Mm -hmm. Imagine you're at the studios at two o'clock and you've got plans at Epcot for dinner, Mm -hmm. but at two o'clock you get a boarding group. Mm -hmm. For Rise of the Resistance. Oh. Now your plans have changed. Mm-hmm. Do you spend the five or ten minutes on your phone, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, you know, cancel your dining reservation or reschedule it for another day or whatever? Or do you just go to this concierge and say, hey, I'm at Chef's de France at seven o'clock tonight. Mm-hmm. I can't make that because I got a boarding group. We're gonna go to Epcot tomorrow. Can you just move the reservation to something close? And then go on your way mm-hmm. and say, text me with a decision. That that okay. That's useful. That is that is. But is that useful for an entire vacation, or it's more that plans have changed? But I guess again, it's a Disney World vacation. Plans will change. Or it's something like, let's say for a uh, for guests who didn't plan out their entire trip ahead of time. Mm. Hey, I just walked by this restaurant, La Celia in Canada, and it was completely full. Is there another day mm-hmm. where it's available? And I've got five days during my trip and I'm willing to come back to Epcot on any of the five days. That's very difficult to do right now with the Disney reservation system because mm-hmm. it only does a day and a meal time mm-hmm. at a time, right? You've got to say dinner on the 14th, dinner on the 15th, dinner on the 16th, mm-hmm. dinner on the right? And that's tedious, but you could just give that to somebody and say, just, just tell me what's available and I'll, I'll work my plans around. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it, it, it would be, Interesting to staff, but not saying no. Yeah. I love this in theory. I just I would also be intrigued to see how it would actually work in real life. And I think that would probably be available only at the higher end resorts. Okay. And the other one, the last one, mm-hmm. the last question here is virtual queue access from your resort. Some Disney attractions require entry via virtual queue, which can only be joined from inside the park. Resort guests would have special access to join the virtual queue from the comfort of their resort room. Once joining the virtual queue, your party will receive a boarding time to ride select attractions, giving you the ability to enjoy your theme park visit at your own time and pace. It's kind of interesting to roll out this question as we're seeing the new Rise of the Resistance virtual queue that allows you to be outside of the park. Right. I wonder if they're getting people's interest in theory and then applying that knowledge to the practical experience they're having right now. Yeah, so I think that's um, that would definitely be a benefit to uh, to a lot of people, especially as Disney opens new rides. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure that they're going to roll out that boarding group idea. I mean, they, they they could. The reason why it's on Rise is it's still not 100% reliable, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Otherwise, they would use FastPass mm-hmm. if it was available. As they roll out other new rides, like let's say Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Cosmic Rewind or mm-hmm. Tron, you know, if maybe the first couple months for that, mm-hmm. they run boarding groups on that just to work out the test and adjust phase. Mm-hmm. So I can, see it, I can see it sticking around for select rides, but eventually over time, those rides should become stable enough with a predictable enough capacity where something like FastPass uh, could work again. By the way, uh, Jim, this week mm-hmm. or over the last week or so, you noticed that Rise is, has put up plexiglass dividers I heard between that. rows I in each ride. That. Yeah, yeah. So capacity has gone up and they've had they've had a really good couple of operational days That's great. Um, with it too. Great so news. that'll... Uh, yeah. Now you still can't sit in the in the same row as people not in your group. Mm-hmm. So ride capacity is still slightly lower than it was pre-opening mm-hmm. or pre-pandemic, but um, but it's better. Cross our fingers for Pfizer. They're talking fall of next year. Uh, so it'll should be available beginning of second quarter. So April one is what I heard. Okay. Um, the issue is that there's they can only make fifty million a uh, fifty million doses mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. in current capacity. Those will probably go to 
the at-risk groups and healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. The good news is is that uh, like Sanofi, mm-hmm. um, I think the one that they're working on is similar, mm-hmm. and Sanofi has as much, I think, as much production capacity as every other company combined, like a billion. Wow. Okay. Doses. So assuming we get something that works, there is industrial capacity to get it done. So again, I, things are things are getting better. Okay. So the last set of questions here, Jim, mm-hmm. is if you answered that you were super interested in one of these things, they drill down on different combinations of those things to ask what would be important. So for example, Scott said that exclusive theme park access was really important to him. Mm-hmm. And so the follow-up question was, thinking about exclusive theme park access, here are some options for that access. And we want you to tell us which ones are most important starting with number one being the most important. So if there's four options, you rank the first one, one, and you rate the least important one to you, number four. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, and this one was exclusive theme park access. And the options are one, uh, exclusive extended hours at one of the theme parks per day, morning or evening, mm-hmm. or extended exclusive access to finish out your day at one theme park every night, or early access to one theme park every morning, or 30 minutes exclusive early entry into every theme park every day. So the first three options are essentially variations, the the current extra magic hour program, right? So the first one, Mm -hmm. exclusive extended hours at one of the theme parks per day, morning or evening. That's that's extra magic hours as we know it, Mm -hmm. right? The second option, extended exclusive access to finish out your day at one theme park every night is basically extra magic hour evenings only. And there's a similar option for mornings. But then the the fourth option, which we've never seen before, mm-hmm. is 30 minutes in every theme park every day. We've seen something similar to this. Like, for example, when people have dining at Cinderella's Royal Table, the breakfast or that sort of thing. I mean, literally, they'll hold the group. But, okay, you have reservations. You can go to the restaurant only. But yeah, it's going to be it'd be interesting to see how they would do something at the Magic Kingdom with, okay, you are the rope drop people and you are the special people who get to wander. Well, they could do it. Okay. So uh, so Scott answered that uh, his top option was exclusive access to finish out your day at one theme park. And they asked him why. Mm-hmm. And his answer was he doesn't like waking up super early on vacation for extra magic hours. Mm-hmm. He said he has great memories of extra magic uh, evenings at Epcot. But I can't remember most mornings because I'm sleepy. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Scott, you and everyone else, man. You and everyone else. There you go. So the other follow-up question was on the specific resort nighttime show elements. Mm-hmm. So they gave Scott four specific examples of these show elements and asked him to rate them one to four, one being the highest. And the first one was resort nighttime exterior projections, like kiss goodnight at resorts that bring the resort's art style coupled with Disney stories to life on the exterior facade through projections that feature special effects, lighting, and music. The other option is atrium transformation, transforming resort lobbies into a magical display that brings the individual resort's story to life through lights, color, music, and projections. These all sound good. Mm -hmm. The third one is nighttime spectacular on the water, Guests have the ability to watch Disney stories come to life on resort waterways through lights, parades, water fountains that spray water as the backdrop for color, and characters timed to music to transport guests into the world of imagination. Hmm. Hmm. And then uh, four, step inside the art of Disney resort style. As a resort guest, exclusive access to an immersive art display that transports you into the world of Disney. So resort, nighttime exterior projections, atrium transportation, nighttime spectacular on the water. By the way, every time I hear on the water, I think of Deep Purple's song, Smoke <laughs> on the Water, which I, I don't know if everyone's familiar with that song. It doesn't end well. So. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, other true story, and I may have mentioned this on the show or not. I was actually in Montreux, mm-hmm. Switzerland. On, on the Lake Geneva shoreline mm-hmm. where the uh, where they, uh, the song events actually happen. So I was there with uh, with on a train one time with uh, with my mom going to Milan. But uh, the and, and I and I basically sang the entire song <laughs> to her as we were going as we were going you know through past the past the Lake Geneva shoreline. <laughs> oh, oh, 
I think the Swiss people thought I was insane, but <sighs> no. okay. somewhere the spirit of John Lord was appreciating what I was doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So Scott picked mm-hmm. Atrium Transformation as his top option. They asked him why. So he says, uh, they sound amazing in Atrium Transformation. Seems like it would be the most weatherproof. There we go. So look at, look at Scott <laughs> thinking ahead, man. Sounds like somebody who's been to Central Florida before. <laughs> Scott, good observation yep. there. I hadn't even thought of that. And then the uh, uh, the least attractive option to Scott was uh, the step inside the Art of Disney Resort style. And they asked him why. And he says, it would be hard to convince my kids to go do anything. Uh, I'd definitely dish them to go see it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I, I understand that as well. Wow, this, this was a great survey. No, absolutely. Kind of an eye-opener about on the other side of COVID, what they're going to do to try to convince us all to go back. Yeah, and I love some of the ideas, and some of them seem, I mean, some of them are sort of, would require a lot of investment, mm-hmm. but others, I, I think they can they can do pretty quickly because they've got the infrastructure and the pieces uh, already existing. Okay. Just, I'm intrigued as to which atriums you could use. I mean, you know, obviously Wilderness Lodge, obviously uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. Well, you think about like Wilderness Lodge or Animal Kingdom Lodge, you could make those animals come to life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the projections. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about like a projection on the, um, on the fireplace in Wilderness Lodge. Or on the uh, on the totem poles, mm-hmm. very very yeah. great ideas. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim. Normally, this is the point where we would take a quick commercial break, but we're already eighty minutes into the show. Why don't we save our Port Orleans feature piece for next week? That works for me. And we'll give folks uh, something to to look forward to. How's that? Absolutely. All right, folks, and that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. You'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including new in-park audio of the Magic Kingdom at Christmas, and our upcoming special series on Epcot storytelling. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's practicing his Flintstone flip for the 2020 Billabong Pipe Masters World Surfing Championships, December 8th through the 20th at the Banzai Pipeline just offshore in beautiful Oahu, Hawaii. While Aaron's doing that, Please go on to iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.